Welcome to The Real Deal Podcast, where we talk to Indiana music professionals about their careers who have been very successful, or as we call them, The Real Deal. My name is Rick Granlund. I'm the Director of Bands and Performing Arts Department Chair at North Central High School in Indianapolis, Indiana. As something extra in between interviews, we'll be sharing a little history on our history. I first became interested in interviewing some of our Indiana Phi Beta Mu Hall of Fame members back in 2016. I got a digital video camera and my son Connor and I set up some interviews. Now with the Real Deal podcast, we figured that we should share some of these interviews with the band community. Today we are sharing with you audio from our interview with Mr. John Parshall, retired director of bands at Anderson Highland High School. So I'm talking with John Parshall, and he was inducted into the Phi Beta Mu Gamma Chapter Hall of Fame. Um, and we're just going to talk about his career and Phi Beta Mu and lots of good things today. So also happens to be my high school band director. So I'm very thrilled to be here with him today. So thank you for uh, talking with me. Oh, you're most spending, welcome, I think. <laughs> spending even more time with me, as if you hadn't seen enough of me yeah, well, over the course of these years. So, that doesn't happen, Rick. <laughs> so my first question is, who sponsored you for membership at the Five Beta You know, I, I have to be honest and think, I, I, I think it was Earl Dunn and Bob Carr. But it has been so long ago, I'm not sure if that's accurate. Okay. Um, I'll maybe I could do some digging and find out for okay, sure. Okay, very it. good. I, I I've seen it and yeah, I'm not sure. And so, um, Earl Dunn, tell me a little bit about your relationship with him. It was rather interesting because not being a ball stater, uh, I was surprised when he called and he asked me to uh, be involved in the uh, ball state Mid America camps that were held in the summer, and. Uh, Jim Patton, my good buddy, Jim and I did the top concert band for him for, I don't know, six or seven years. And uh, that's that was the beginning of the musical experience. The other part of the uh, relationship was that uh, I had a phone call from George Vaught, who said, uh, I know you play golf. Uh, we have lost a member of our foursome, would you be interested in playing golf with us? And I said, well, who is us? And it was uh, George, Earl Dunn, and Hofer of Muncie Music Center. And so I joined with them and we played golf for several years until George and then later on Hofer passed away. But it was a wonderful group of guys to play golf with and all kinds of good times. So you uh, got to know Earl through Ball State stuff and then golfing yes. and then just being geographically Yes, the combinations of things. Cool. And uh, uh, Earl was a fine band director. And I think everybody would, would recognize that. Uh, some of the things and methods that he used, I, I, I couldn't use, but then, you know, not everybody approves of the way I did things either. So that's okay. <laughs> and the other gentleman you said was Tom Thomas Carr? Bob Carr. Or Bob Carr. Yeah. And tell me about him. Where, where well, Mr. Carr was my high school band director my senior year came in. And he uh, was a graduate of Indiana State, later on taught at Ball State, 
and then eventually became the first state supervisor of music. Uh, and, uh, you know, I wasn't planning to go into music at all at the high school level. I was going in other directions, and I actually did not march with the band until my senior year when Mr. Carr came in. So he had a, a lot of influence in that, in that year. My uh, other high school band director was Van Graham, and uh, I thought we had a really fine concert band program with Mr. Graham. Uh, the marching band was not very successful, but uh, uh, Mr. Graham also was a band director for the, the American Legion Band in Richmond, and uh, they were state champions and national champions over the years. So he... Um... Was he still at Richmond when uh, he had was part of your Five Eight and Mu connection, or was he already moved on to other things? Mr. Carr. Yeah. Uh, he had already moved on. Okay. Yeah, he was there a short period of time, and when he uh, left Richmond, he went to, uh, well, he went to Indiana State for a short period of time, and then moved to Ball State. Okay. And then, um, so you grew up in Richmond. Yes. And you started in band on French horn? No, I started uh, as a fifth grader on trumpet. And my private instructor was Ralph Burkhart. And later on, uh, Ralph Burkhart became the orchestra director at the high school. And that was his first year of of directing at the high school was my senior high school year, uh, senior year. And... uh, then later on, when I returned to Richmond as a teacher, uh, he was a colleague. And Ralph Burkhart retired after I retired, which, I mean, phenomenal career for him and a wonderful, wonderful teacher. Uh, I would say that one of the things I'll remember forever is that he had flute students, private students, we had the most phenomenal flute players year after year after year. And I don't know where he got that ability because that was not his instrument. He, he was a trumpet and a viola. Trumpet and viola. That's an unusual combination too. Yes. So start on cornet or trumpet. Trumpet, and then, yes. And then move to French horn. I moved to French horn, uh, at the end of my ninth grade year, uh, I was doing very well with trumpet, uh, setting first chair in, in the uh, junior high school band. And uh, Mr. Graham came to my house uh, right before the end of that uh, ninth grade year and uh, said, you know, you may not be a first year trumpet player when you get to high school. And I told him, I said, it really doesn't make any difference to me. Uh, I said, you know, as long as I can play. And he said, well, he said, I need French horn players. Would you be willing to give that a try? So I was game to do that. And he gave me a French horn. And the last junior high school band rehearsal, he had me play French horn. And we were playing a march. And it sounded horrible. And at the end, I I said, Mr. Graham, I don't know what I'm doing wrong. And he said, I've got to apologize to you, John. He says, that march is written in E flat. You have to transpose. <laughs> so, <laughs> learn something right off the bat. 
So, so in Richmond, did you start? You started in fifth grade, and was there? Um, who were the directors you had through your young years, through middle and high school, and all those good? Well, you know, I I took some private lessons uh, starting in the spring of of uh, as I was entering fifth grade, and then uh, I had uh, some problems there. I only went to fifth grade for two years because of a, an illness that I had. I just about checked out a couple times. And uh, so, as I remember it, when I went into junior high school, the orchestra director was Helen Adelsbury, and then Joanne Grigsby. The band director was, was Ben Graham, who was also the high school band director. So, you had him for several years. And yes, yes, I did. And you had the, yes. the new director. And so at what point in the high school time did you decide to teach music? <laughs> well, I didn't in the high school. Okay. Uh, I had actually en- enrolled at Miami of Ohio in the School of Architecture. And uh, I had worked for a lumber company uh, for a year uh, in Richmond. And my job there was to talk with people who wanted to build additions to their homes. I'd go out and sketch the present home and then go back to the company, to the drawing room, and draw up the proposed addition for them. And, of course, in those days, uh, that was pencil or pen for our architectural drawing. And uh, I guess I made the decision uh, that summer that I really didn't want to work with a drawing board all my life, that I wanted to work with people, young people. And I enjoyed music so much, and uh, that's when I made the change. I talked to Mr. Carr. Mr. Carr suggested very strongly that I take a look at, at Indiana State. So I made an appointment for Indiana State. I went down for an audition. Uh, I did never had a private instructor for French horn. Uh, I applied what I knew about from trumpet lessons and, and went on on my own. So my first legitimate solo on French horn was my college ad- audition. Wow. So you graduated from high school in what year? 57. So 1957. May of 57, you think you're going to go to Miami, Ohio. Yes. And sometime in June, July, you do all that shift. In so, June. And you still go in the fall of 57. I did, yes. Wow. That's yes. great. Well, I don't know if that would work now. I don't know if even if you wanted to, if you could make this. I, it might not, but wow. it, it worked for me, and I'm glad that it did. So then you're at ISU. Yes. Um, and uh, who were the directors you worked with there? The band director over there was Joseph Gremmelspacher. Now, I don't know if you knew Mr. Gremmelspacher. Uh, it was a giant. Uh, before Indiana State, he was at Crawfordsville in the old uh, band championships they had across the country, and he he did very well there. Uh, Mr. Grimmel Spocker, uh, and I, I think it's safe for me to say this to, and not embarrass any other Indiana State graduates, but uh, I did not feel tremendously challenged as a musician in the college band program, concert band program. But what I didn't realize until after I graduated 
is that the, the objective that Mr. Gremmelsbacher had was to teach us how to teach. He was far more interested in that than he was in plain, you know, real difficult literature and so on. So were you at ISU for four years or five years? I was there for five years. Uh, for two years as an undergraduate, I uh, was an assistant director of a dormitory, which was very nice. I had an apartment and a salary. And uh, then uh, my wife, not my wife at that time, but uh, she was a year behind me. And Rhea uh, was going to stay there. And uh, so I thought, you know, it might be a good idea for me just to stay on and get my master's degree and have that done and work out fine. Now, there were some other things that happened through there, and I, I don't really want to go into too much of that, Rick. Uh, uh, I was promised one assistantship, so I resigned my position as the dormitory assistant director. Uh, and then the, the assistantship that was promised me was pulled right out from underneath me because I wasn't a Woodmore major. And uh, that individual did not probably realize that I'd also rejected another position where I was offered a, a position uh, in the administration of, of the university. And uh, so I ended up becoming a, a graduate assistant in audio visual. Okay, for your fifth year? Yes, for the fifth year. And it worked very well. I actually spent uh, less time than some of the other grad assistants did. And uh, it was a good experience and uh, worked out very well. So then you graduated from ISU what year with your master's also at the same time? Yes, yes. 61 for a bachelor, 62 for the uh, master's. That's great. I, I didn't know that many people were able to. The, and plus, that was the days when you had to get your master's, so by doing that... That's right. You had five years to get started on it. So that was a tremendous thing to have already in place. Yeah. So then where did you go to teach right away? And then was it teaching right away or other things? I went into teaching uh, right away. and I uh, My first job was in Knox, Indiana. I was the assistant high school band director, uh, the junior high band director, the elementary band director, the high school choir director, and the middle school choir director. So a well-rounded experience. Uh, the head band director there was uh, the late Henry Muir, one of the Muir family. This, these, I learned a lot from Henry, especially uh, on, on the woodwind end of things. So he was head band director. You were... The high school choir director. Yes. Among all those other things. So yes. Were there more bands than choirs or just fewer choir teachers than band? Huh? Uh, he did the high school band and junior high school band. Actually, I did quite a bit of the high school band, particularly in the marching and other things. Uh, Henry had a lot of health problems in that particular year. And uh, so things worked out well. And so, what were your, some of your fond memories of Knox? What of Knox? <laughs> Actually, the kids were great. Uh, I liked living up there. We uh, lived in the snow belt. Uh, got up in the mornings with uh, 
the idea of going down and shoveling the snow out of the driveway so I could get to get to work and the snow would be plowed. And I didn't know until I was ready to leave Knox, Indiana, that that uh, was plowed every time by uh, the parent of one of my choir members who thought that that's what we needed to do for teachers. Wow. That's very so, nice. And so how long were you at Knox? Only one year. One year. Only one year. And uh, what had happened, Henry resigned in the spring, and I was offered the position of uh, head band director and I told them I'd only consider it if I could keep the high school choir, uh, and that was acceptable. And uh, so I was pretty much uh, thinking that, you know, that's where I'm going to be for a while. And out of the blue, I got a phone call from Richmond, Indiana, wanting to know if I would be interested in being the band director at Richmond High School. And uh, I'm a young guy, and... uh, you go from a school of uh, 450 to a school of 2,500, you got to go. <laughs> and that's, we made the decision. Actually, it was a, kind of a surprise because Rhea and I uh, had kind of decided we would not go to our hometowns. And uh, we together made the decision to go to Richmond. It worked out well. Wow. So then to Richmond, and so uh, who did you uh, work with? You mentioned uh, the orchestra director you already had known yes. from your childhood. Yes. The choral director was David Davenport. Uh, he was at the high school only. Ralph and I, and the, all the instrumental teachers in Richmond were traveling teachers. So in addition to doing the high school band program, I was assigned to four or five elementary schools. And we taught fifth and sixth grade uh, winds, percussion, and strings. And we had to have separate classes for the fifth grade and sixth grade. And uh, so you had a potential of of three different classes at each school. You had to see them uh, twice a week. So that meant that you were really running pretty hard, really. And how many years were we in Richmond? Uh, we were in Richmond uh, for uh, 12 years. 12 years. So when you look back on your Richmond years, what were some of your, your highlights or your favorite memories? You know, the Richmond thing was kind of interesting. Uh, we had five junior high schools that fed into the high school. And uh, good teachers at each one of them. And uh, so consequently... Uh, we had pretty fine concert bands. I always, I, I learned a long time ago that if you, if you want to have a successful program, you better have a good concert band before you have anything else. And so we worked in that direction, and uh, the concert bands were so much better than what I ever envisioned. Uh, my regret in Richmond is that I didn't tell the kids often enough that I felt that way about it. Uh, I think they knew that, though. Uh, we had a very successful program. Uh, I started out with, uh, I, I think it was close to 80 kids at the high school band. And when I left there, we had 240. So the program went well. 
we had a lot of nice opportunities. Uh, being close to Cincinnati, we we were invited to share a halftime at a Cincinnati Bengals football game. And uh, we went second. The other band was from uh, Pinkerington, Ohio. And at the end of their show, some guy up on the top level dumped a box of toilet tissues on and it fluttered down on the field like snow. And they wouldn't let us start our show until the field was cleared. Well, consequently, you know, everything's time in the NFL. So we start on the show and I pushed tempos a little bit from the beginning, but we were just barely started in the finale and out of the corner of my eye, I could see the Bengals coming out of the dressing room. So I pushed the tempo up, pushed the tempo up, and I happened to glance down at the base of my conducting ladder, and there's the immortal Paul Brown standing there, and he's just looking up at me, had his arms crossed. He looked up, he didn't say a word, and I said, I'm, I'm pushing the tempo, and we finished the show, left, and I, I, I told my assistant, who was Stephen Barnell, I said, uh, Steve, I, th- I think this is the last time you're going to see us down in Cincinnati. <laughs> and I wrote a letter back to him and told him what had happened. And uh, I got a letter back from uh, Paul Brown who said, uh, uh, I understand the situation completely. He said, uh, we'll probably see you again. And we did uh, eight pregame and halftime shows for him over the years. Eight? Eight, yes. Wow. Yeah. So those were some highlights then. Those were highlights. I also took that band to the uh, Tournament of Roses. Oh, wow. It was great. That was... uh, What was that like? I mean... The trip? Yeah, just overall. Oh, it's spectacular. I mean, you know, you you see it on television and think something about it. You know, you draw something in your mind. But to be out there and... uh, at, at that time, they told told us, don't do anything patriotic. There's some unrest across the country. What year, well, was, that? What year was that? It would have been uh, the, the, on the first uh, of the year. It would have been 74. 74. Okay. And so it was my 73, 74. And, and uh, we, I, I, I don't remember what the... Major tune. I think our, our, our med- we had a medley of back rack things that we were playing with the full marching trucking ahead, but we needed a rest tune, so we played American Beautiful. And we had a, a, a nice day of weather. It was, of course, it's cold in the morning. You have to report out there at like 4 a.m., and it's cold then. Uh, but the time you get to the parade, just warming up, and the sun was shining. Every time we played American Beautiful, the people along the street sang with us. And I thought, my gosh, I'm glad I picked that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it was really, really kind of neat. Well, I have to ask you about your state fair bands in Richmond, because I know they were pretty well known. So you didn't bring those up, but I will. Uh, well, yeah, we were bridesmaids more than winning. We won once, and that was it. But we were bridesmaids several times. And, in fact, we lost by two-tenths of a point one year to Marion. Uh, to Joe Guth. Okay. Remember Joe Guth? <laughs> yeah. And, uh, uh, yeah, we we had strong bands, uh, strong marching bands. Uh, Richmond at that time was a football town. 
some tremendous football teams. Uh, Hub Etchison was a coach, and oh my gosh, they were they were super state champions several times. And uh, so, football games, uh, you know, halftime shows were a feature. People stayed in the seats and they watched. And I mean, we we had big crowds all the time. Uh, and I think probably we were a better football band than we were a state fair band. And uh, it's like a college band, really. Yeah, it, it, it was it was very interesting. And we had to practice marching band for those those football shows during the school day, which meant that this is what led me to leave Richmond eventually. But I'd come in from a, an elementary school and change into gym clothes, go out and line the football field because by that time they were yard lines were were fading. I direct the rehearsal in my gym clothes, send the band to the cafeteria for lunch. I take a shower and go to my next school. <laughs> so it, it was it was a interesting journey. Well, football season goes on for quite a while, so that was a pretty big part of your school year by the time it was all said and done. Yes, yes. But, uh, you know, that the football stuff was was done uh, pretty much uh, during that, that period of time just for the season, and we were working in concert also. And so then um, you left Richmond in what year, do you recall? Well, uh, it would have been... Uh, uh, 75, maybe. And then your next teaching position was in Ohio, is that correct? That's right, but I didn't teach for a year and a half. When I left Richmond, uh, uh, I took a job with the company. It promised me some things, and it took me a little bit of time to figure out that they misrepresented, and I bailed out of that. And then uh, eventually I went back to teaching at National Trails High School, which is just across the state line from Richmond. Okay. And I, I was in the music department there. Okay. And so what was that school like? National Trail, you said? National Trail. What's the town called? Uh, town there wasn't a town. Not really a town. Okay. No, we were in the county. We were in Preble County. Okay. So we drew drew from a New Paris area and then, then from the farms, lands, and all around. Okay, so yeah. you did band and choir both. There. Band and choir both, yes. yes. And how long were you there? I was there only one year. One year, okay. Uh, the reason for that one was that at the end of that first year, uh, the laws in Ohio at that time were quite different for teachers than what Indiana was. But uh, I saw three teachers let go at the beginning uh, at that spring. One of them I knew very well. I knew was an excellent elementary teacher, and. Uh, I talked with Rhea when I got home. I said, you know, it's upsetting. I said, you know, they, they don't have to give you a reason for firing you. You're just, you're done. Uh, or if you ask for tenure in that first two years and they don't want to give you a tenure, you are fired. You can't go back to a one-year contract. Uh, and I, I told my wife, you know, if they could let somebody go like that, a coach or a music teacher is much more visible in the school corporation that could be me. So I said, maybe we better look around. So we did start looking around. Okay. And so that's how the Anderson Highland started out? Yeah. You know, I had a percussion instructor in Richmond, a great John McMahon. 
John was a buyer of our department store, and when Richmond had their horrific uh, explosion, uh, his store was destroyed. Actually, a car was blown into the store from the site of the explosion, and uh, it never reopened. And my good friend George Vaught, when Richmond had their band camp at Camp Crosley up near uh, North Webster, George had the Anderson High School band north of us a few miles. And he would come down on, usually on a Thursday, and usually it was when John McMahon was rehearsing the percussion section. And uh, George told me, he said, John, one of these days, I'm going to steal that guy from you. But yeah, I kind of laughed about it, you know. Well, when the explosion occurred and John didn't have a job, George got him a job at a clothing store in Anderson, Indiana, and John started becoming the percussion instructor for all the high schools in, in Anderson. And uh, that's what happened to my friend John. Now, in the meantime, on a Saturday morning, I got a phone call from Jim Patton. And Jim Hatton says, John, Highland job is open. Why don't you come up to Anderson and join us? Half an hour later, I get a phone call. It's John McMahon. Exact same message. Half an hour later, get a phone call from Don Hoffman. Exact same message. That's all I got here. Oh, wow. <coughs> <coughs> Excuse me. Sorry. Oh, we can edit something yeah. out too. So, <laughs> you need a drink of water or anything? No, I, I think we'll be okay. Okay. Yeah. I didn't realize Don was part of that too. So, yes. Yeah. Yeah, Don had just become the, the high school band director at that time. Okay. Yeah. Cool. And I, I can remember you know, my one of the last years I was at Richmond. Don became the high school band director at Anderson. I told my wife as we were pulling the fairgrounds, I said, you know what, Don's got to be a nervous wreck. So I want to look at him, see if I can help him anyway. So I went over to where Anderson's buses were parked, couldn't find Don Hoffman. Nobody, and then the chaperones didn't know where Don Hoffman was. So I started back to my buses, and I happened to look over across the road, and underneath a semi, lying on his back, reading a book, was Don Hoffman. Not really very nervous at all. <laughs> so, um, so the Highland, then you're so then you're at Highland. So no, I assume those guys all called you, and then the interviews went well. Yes, and you got the job. Well, the interview was interesting, Rick. Uh, the ro- room was filled, the administration building. It was filled, and it had all the secondary principals and the supervisors and. Uh, the past president of the Bamboosers and his wife and the future president of the Bamboosers and their wives and a crowded room. So I go into the room and at the end of the table is the superintendent. And I s- sat down at the empty chair, which I figure that's where they wanted me to sit. No one said anything. And I sat there for, it seemed like a couple minutes. And I finally looked at the superintendent and I said, do you want to start the interview? Do you want me to start? And he said, well, why don't you start it? So I did. I asked him if they wanted a band director to take them back to State Fair. Is that their primary objective? Or do you want a band director to try to give you a, a well-rounded program? And he said, well, why don't we pull the room? And they did. And uh, they wanted a, 
a well-rounded program. And that's what I wanted to do. So I said, well, okay, we can go ahead. Do you, you remember what year you went to Iowa when that started? Uh, well, I went there in uh, uh, 77. 77, okay. So you got to Highlands. Um, they had been doing track show, like a lot of the schools in the yes. area. But yes. It, um, tell me a little bit about the program when you got there. It was my impression that, that when uh, uh, right before I got there, I, I don't think they marched in the state fair. I think they bypassed it one year. And I felt like they were out of competition. Uh, a lot of the big bands in this, in uh, this state, like uh, uh, Ben Davis and Vincennes and so on, those bands that were very successful in the track shows, uh, they were pulling out of it and going to field competition. And I thought, you know, if I take them back to State Fair, they're probably going to get killed for a while. And I said, I'm not sure if I want to do that to those kids. So I said, you know, let's let's give the field show a chance, see what we can do with that. And I talked to my administrators about that, and and uh, so that's the direction we went. And uh, I think if, when I look back on it, I think it was a good decision. So you actually didn't do track show at Highland. I did not that do a track show at Highland. Richmond, Richmond no, and I caught some flack for it, uh-huh. but we stayed with it. And, you know, uh, it was it was interesting transition, uh, and we ended up having a good following. Now, I mean, we if we did a track show in Indianapolis, we could figure on 250 people following us. Yeah. And so when you got to Highland, you, was there a, were you the only band director at the high school? Or no, you? no. We, uh, I was, uh, one of the reasons I took the job, I, I was offered two positions the same day. I, I chose Highland because uh, I was able to uh, fill the vacancy of, at middle school band directing position and uh, assistant band director at the high school and a choreographer's position. Okay. And uh, it was interesting. Uh, I, I think I did a pretty good job on, on that. Uh, the only one that didn't stay very long was the, the assistant director at the high school. And that's the only one that I, well, I, I went along with the administration's suggestion. And that was another guy who had applied for the job. Okay. Uh, he didn't stay very long, but, uh, the choreographer was Sarah Jellison Withrow, who was, uh, one of the leading instructors for Smith Walbridge for years. She was a captain at Indiana State. Uh, she was one of my students at Richmond, brilliant choreographer. And uh, she happened to be a special education teacher, and they had an opening. Okay. So that's the first one I hired. The second one came about because the middle school band, uh, principal was going on vacation. And he said, uh, would you go to the administration building and read through all the applications for the position put your top choice on the top of the pile, and that's probably who they'll hire. So I did that. I read all the applications. I made a few phone calls and inquiries and everything, and I put the top application on the top, and they hired Susan Finger. I think I did a good job there, too. I'd say so, yeah. <laughs>
So, um, so she went, was on board with you right away. Yes. And so, um, then through the course of time there, that assistant left, and then of course, then you brought on Mark Finger. Yes. A few years later. Yes, it it was uh, about uh, two years later, I think, and uh, Mark had been at Cowan and at Delta, and uh, talking with him and wa- watching him, I I thought he was very capable. And Mark worked very hard for us and did a fine job. And so then when did you retire from Highland? What was the year? I retired from Highland in 97. So, so I was 20, there for 20 years. 20 years. So and uh, then uh, in 2000, uh, Mr. Ludeman uh, departed. And uh, that was on the Labor Day. And uh, they called... Uh, at that time, uh, Mr. Ludeman's assistant was Doug Fletcher, and uh, Doug got called and wanted to know if I could come over and help him uh, an hour or two, so I did that, and after two days, the administration called and said, would you come full-time? And I said, sure, I'll come full-time, but I said, I prefer, if you can, just half a year till Christmas break, and I said, I'll do that as soon as you make Mr. Fletcher the head band director, which they did. I, of course, you know the history on Mr. Fletcher. Yeah. But Mr. Fletcher was one of my student teachers. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, there's no question that he had all the tools to be an excellent band director. So when you look back on the 77 to 97, are there some specific highlights that you were most proud of? In the highlights? You know, it's, Rick, that's really a hard question because I tell you something you know we, we had some nice experiences we we did a lot of traveling it was evident that the parents and schools wanted the bands to travel so we did at the Orange Bowl three times we did uh, uh, Virginia Beach Music Festival Daytona Beach Music Festival Smoky Mountain Music Festival uh, Gatlinburg had the, had us back as a feature band for their Scottish festival. Uh, Did the Fiesta Bowl. Fiesta Bowl in Phoenix, yeah. yep. yep. And, uh, so just a lot of highlights, really. Well, there were a lot of highlights. And the thing that, you know, when you say highlights, I, I don't think as much about individual performances, I guess. But I sure think about a lot of good kids. That's... You know, and what they've done with their lives, you know, and you, you know the people that you went to school with. They've all turned out pretty darn well, haven't they? Yeah. Yeah. Sure. And you haven't done too badly either. <laughs> well, thank you. No, uh, it's fantastic, Rick. So, so since your retirement, you did some other things as well. What have you done to keep yourself involved in music? Well... First of all, uh, the only one I'm doing right now is church choir. My wife and I, we've been uh, church choir singers since we were in college. Uh, and we can continue that as long as we can. Uh, in 2002, the LaPel people contacted me. They said our community band is supposed to play a Christmas concert, and the band director walked out on us. They had two rehearsals left. And the band was numbered about 25. And uh, they didn't know what they were 
going to play it. They hadn't voted on it yet. <laughs> so, so I got their scores and they let me select the music that I thought we could put together. And we did that. And then they wanted me to stay. And I stayed until, uh, the heart attack stopped, stopped things in uh, June of uh, 2014. So I was there for 12 years. 12 years is That's great. Yeah. Very reward, rewarding too. Very rewarding. The band grew, grew from 25 players to 70. And the neat thing about it, I think the neatest thing is that the players came from 16 different communities. So not just the lapel, really. Just right. a lot of, a lot of Right. Well, that's good. Just a couple more things. I, I think um, you may not answer this question based on your last question, but I'll ask it anyway. Okay. So all these cool schools, all these great kids and different performances. If you could pick one, say you say you could just get a little time capsule and relive one of those performances or seasons or years, could you could you could you pick one or a couple that? Are- I really don't think I, I can do that. I I can think of the concert bands. I can think of the Richmond bands playing some magnificent concerts. I can think the same thing of Highland. I can say same things from the community band. You know. You have different things that enter into those scenes, but uh, you know, pretty good. Yeah, just pretty lots good. of lots of cool times. Um, how about uh, if you had any suggestions for someone that was starting their career? What would you recommend as an important thing for them to not lose sight of or to be involved in? Well, I I urge them to get involved in the professional organizations like the Indiana Bandmasters. Uh, I'd urge them to go look and listen to as many ensembles as they possibly could. I'd urge them to talk to some of their colleagues, get feed on them. I think all of us have done that. Uh, And I think that, you know, it's not trying to be a copycat. It's trying to learn techniques and and uh, listen to the experiences so maybe we could uh, get some ideas of our own. Cool. All right. Well, I think that's a lot of really good good things, and I appreciate you being willing to sit down and share those with me. So. Well, thank you, Rick. That concludes our special episode of The Real Deal. A special thanks to Mr. Parshall for agreeing to talk with me back in 2016 and agreeing to let his interview be shared in our podcast format. The Real Deal is hosted by me, Rick Granlund. This episode was edited and mixed by Connor Granlund. Our theme song is March of the Steel Men, performed by the 2009 Isma State Concert Band Champions, the North Central Wind Ensemble. Thank you for taking time to listen to The Real Deal podcast today. Be sure to check us out on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at RealDealPodIN. And make sure to subscribe for more interviews coming soon.